in-office studios of his eye care practices in Nashville, Tennessee. It's As I See It with Dr. Jeff Kegaris, your source for eye care education and receiving the type of patient relationship you deserve. It is time for a patient revolution. And now, your host, Dr. Jeff Kegaris. I want to welcome you to As I See It. Uh, this is the program where we talk about education and eye care to try to give you the best patient experience we can. Today we're talking with Ron Kegaris again. Ron Kegaris, of course, is my dad. Um, smartest guy I know, best father that there could be. Uh, we tapped him before on his expertise on metals, metallurgy, biomechanical properties, and the eye. And uh, we learned an awful lot about why there may be some stress-strain relationships in metals that can apply to stress-strain relationships in the eye and put stress on our optic nerve, one part that could lead to an increased risk of glaucoma. So make sure to check out that podcast for some riveting discussion, no pun intended, on uh, airplane wings and the eye. Today, though... I want to talk about something because a lot of times on this podcast, I just want to talk about things I'm interested in. And right now, I'm kind of interested in football. So, Dad, if you don't mind, can we talk a little bit about football? Do I have to have Mike Rabel on the phone? Uh, well, I know you talked to him before. Have, by the way, have you given Mike any other advice since the draft? I know you had given him some I, suggestions on draft choices. I gave him some suggestions, and he did not follow them. I told him, don't forget the Buckeyes. And unfortunately, the Titans are one of the very few NFL teams that don't have any Buckeyes on their roster. Hmm. Well, some of the entire defensive backfield for the New Orleans Saints are all Buckeyes. (laughs) So some people prize them more than others. I guess so. But then again, you know, you might look at that and say, yeah, well, were the Saints in the uh, AFC Finals last year? <laughs> or the NFC Finals? No, I don't think so. So maybe they maybe they know more about John Robinson knows more about this than we think. Um, oh, and, I'm sure they do. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean we can't give them, keep giving them advice, right? That's right. That's right. So we're not going to give Mike... He invited Mike a, me down, you know. Pardon me? He invited me to come, to, he invited me to come down when they start practicing. I figure that, you know, you always taught me the good hip fake the cornerback and off to the races and, <laughs> and uh, you know, bullet passes. And I'm, I have a feeling he'll want you working with the wide receivers. I'll bet he will. <laughs> <laughs> they all have walkers like mine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I have a question for you. Let's talk about college football. You have been a big Ohio State fan, graduated from Ohio State, played basketball at Ohio State, the Ohio State University, by the way. But let's talk about football. And what I want to do is I want to tap your memory a little bit. You've seen a number of Heisman Trophy winners. You're 87 years old, about to be 88 here soon. Um, happy birthday That's in right. advance. Um, Thank you. Um, of the Heisman Trophy winners for Ohio State, uh, and I believe there have been six or seven in your lifetime. Is that correct? I think it's been six, yeah. Okay, that so I, is, there, I know of. is there one that you remember more than another? Well, I didn't see uh, the first one. That was Les Horvath. That was in 1944. I did see Vic Janowitz, but when he won the Heisman Trophy, he went into a new coach by the name of Woody Hayes who decided to run the winged tee instead of a single wing, and so that denied Vic Janowitz of his versatility. Hmm. 
then came along somebody like Hopalong Cassidy, who had the opportunity to play at a younger age, because I think that's about the time that freshmen were eligible to play at, a, at the college level. Didn't have to just play freshman ball. And Hoppy was not only a shifty runner, but he was a very, very good defensive back. Did he play both and, ways? Uh, he did play both ways, yes. He was the original that Chris was, Gamble, huh? Yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> Chris Gamble was a real nice name to think of. Yep. Good wide receiver and a great defensive player. Yep. I think Eddie George was, I mean, I think Archie Griffin, obviously, was, he was uncanny because he wasn't very big. He was a little shifty, but he had the greatest balance in the world. He'd get hit with bigger guys and bounce off them and keep his feet and continue on for another 15 or 20 yards. Well, you think so that was, was that I balance was, or was that leg strength or both? I think it was both. Mm-hmm. I ran into a guy at Ohio State that was a high school wrestler the same time Archie was a high school wrestler and he said he'd never seen such great leg strength in the guy. Really? When he wrestled him. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about Archie Griffin. I don't I don't think of him as a wrestler. I think about guys like Luke Fickle, who was a really good wrestler and a lineman, but I don't think about a running back being a having a career as a wrestler. I didn't didn't know that he wrestled either. Yeah. But at any rate, that's what the guy said. Interesting. I think Eddie George was just, to me, was a, a guy that bounced back from a terrible sophomore season. I remember he started as a sophomore. There was an Illinois game early in the season, and uh, Eddie fumbled twice into the hands of an Illinois player who ran at least one of those back for a touchdown, and we kept saying, why in the world is he even in there? <laughs> yep. Then when he started the next year, he got a chance. Well, he got a chance to play later on, and uh, you know, fumbling was a bad word and a bad activity at Ohio State. But at any rate, he got to play a little bit later on, piecemeal, and then the following year he got more games in, and of course, his senior year he was just a dynamo. So I really, really liked him. You know, that's a good... Troy Smith? Before you get to Troy, that's a good lesson in perseverance, both for the person that, you know, if you if you correlate that to life, you say, you know what, we all fumble sometimes, and some of those fumbles are worse than others, you know. Sometimes we have a really, really bad that's fumble, right. and somebody runs it back for a touchdown. That's a pretty visibly bad fumble. Um, but you don't give up on yourself, and you know that, you know, you still have talent, and even though you may be demoted for a while, you can come back, and you can win a Heisman Trophy, and you can end up having a great professional career, and, and both in football and out of football. And the same thing holds true for the coach, because that coach, for whatever reason, said, you know what, just because you failed in this activity, oh, and you failed again, I believe in you, and you can do good things, and that belief actually paid off. For both of them, didn't Absolutely it? right. And we each have it a lot of it. We each have employees that fumble the ball sometimes, 
And uh, the, the the bad shotgun manager says, you know, fire that person, get rid of them. And the, the I think the more intuitive good manager looks for their overall strengths and tries to shore up the fumbling, but doesn't lose sight that uh, lots of people have a lot of talent, and you can miss that if you only look at their fumbles. So, but that's a separate very topic. Good, very good point. So let's get like on to Troy Smith. Let's get on to Troy Smith. Troy, Troy Smith was recruited as an athlete because he was such a good athlete. He wasn't recruited as a quarterback. They, I think they started him out as a defensive back. Then they ended up putting him at quarterback, and he was a fantastic quarterback. He was a running quarterback when he first got into the games in, his, I think, maybe his freshman year. And he would uh, check off his receivers and start to run almost before the last one one was checked <laughs> off. But when he started and he got better and better, he ran very little of the time. And yet he had a rocket arm. And he had good wide receivers. That helps. Yeah, no doubt about it. So it's kind of like a Justin Fields. Good quarterback, great. You know, just it's kind of like a Justin Fields. Justin Fields got uh, or transferred, and with this reputation of being such a good runner, but it was pretty evident last year that yes, he could run, although he got hurt some. uh, And they either kind of started to hold him back from running as much to keep him from getting hurt, or to continue to work on his pocket progression and make him a passer first, a runner when needed. Wouldn't you say? Yes, that's right. It took it took him a little bit of time to not dart up the field right away, but he had once again he had great wide receivers, and he had the ability, unlike some other quarterbacks, had the innate ability to be able to put the ball right where that wide receiver was going to run and catch it. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a basketball player making a good pass. It's not just getting it to the other guy; it's putting it in the pocket where he's ready to shoot. Yes, there's a that's a yes. that's a subtle but but unbelievably great skill if they have that. So you got to have good wide receivers if you're a quarterback. Tell me about some of the wide yep. receivers that you made that may stand out to you just off the top of your mind since we didn't rehearse any of this. I'm just kind of interested from a memory standpoint um, on any particular wide receivers or uh, plays that a wide receiver I, made that, that stand out to you. I think about Terry Glenn, who was uh, a no nobody until his senior year, and he became the wide receiver Bolitnikoff winner, and I think he came in third in the Heisman uh, balloting. He just was very, very fast and seemed to be able to catch the ball pretty well. And once he caught it, his yards after catch were phenomenal. So Terry Glenn was a guy that didn't play very much in the pros because he got hurt. Reminds me of another guy that... uh, people don't think too much about but Cardell Jones loved when uh, he would throw to Devin Smith mm-hmm. Devin Smith was a wide receiver that was also a track star and he just not only did he have the ability to get in the open but he had an uncanny ability to catch the ball no matter who was draped over his shoulder or his body or anything he was able to catch the ball and once again great good wide receivers make quarterbacks great uh, you know, he was a good wide receiver. And he, once again, he got hurt in the pros, too. So his pro career was probably a little bit limited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to him. Interesting, because, uh, you know, Troy Smith had um, 
had Ted Ginn, right? Anthony yeah. Gonzalez. I mean, so that once again, you're right. You could be the best quarterback in the world, but if it's constantly bouncing off their chest or their or their hands and falling to the ground, your completion rate's not good. Your yards per per pass aren't <laughs> very good, and so it really takes a uh, takes both pitcher and a catcher. Yeah, I remember Ted Ginn because he was a track star in high school, and he had a tough time figuring out what, where to put him mm-hmm. because he was so fast and so versatile. But fortunately, they stuck him at wide receiver, and the rest of history is a great punt returner as well, or kickoff returner. Yeah, without a doubt. He's probably, for me, in my 60 years, and probably that's 54 or so of watching Ohio State football, um, he's, if not the most memorable, one of the most memorable and exciting people I got to watch in college just because he had a chance to break away from from people at any time. And he just kind of had that... You know, there he goes, and oh gosh, he, he just how, how do you get around there? And that guy had the angle on him, but didn't, didn't wasn't able to do it. He was one of the neatest guys on slants because he was obviously open in the slant, but once a guy tried to close on him, he just grabbed air. Yep, that is right. That is right. So, uh, tell me about Keith Byers. I don't think Keith Byers ever won the Heisman, had a pretty good pro career. Um, should have won the Heisman. <laughs> you remember anything about him? I remember a lot about him. I remember when I was living in Iowa and Keith Myers was playing for Ohio State as a sophomore at that time. I'd never heard of him. We went up to see the Ohio State-Iowa game, and he was a, a one-man wrecking ball. I mean, he was tremendous. Not only was he built strong, but he was faster than most people recognized and I remember an Illinois game at Ohio, Ohio State, where uh, we were down 24 to zero in the first quarter. And I said to your sister, "That's it. We are, gonna, we are not going to come back from that deficit. We couldn't do a thing. And I'll be darned if it didn't come down to the last possession." One possession, Keith Myers ran through the line, got in the open, and his shoe came off. He must have run 45 yards with only one shoe, but he did it very, very well. (laughs) And uh, everyone in the stadium knew who was going to get the ball when Ohio State had a touchdown to get. Uh And Keith Myers got it, went around the end, eluded some big names, as linebackers and defensive ends won the game for us. Yeah, it was one of the more was, exciting games I remember. He was poised to win the Heisman until the last game of the season and Boston College was playing and Doug Flutie threw the Hail Mary pass. And Flutie had a pretty good career, but, I mean, he was at Boston College, seemed like six years. But at any rate, <laughs> one pass should not identify a guy's season. And, you're, uh, you're not being an Ohio State homer, are you? No, but Musburger, Brent Musburger, who was the announcer, <laughs> just ex- what a fantastic play. He went over that time and time and time again. And I think it influenced the voters because although he played in the pros, he was never the ball player that Keith Byers was. You know, it's interesting because politics and 
and uh, influence like that, uh, extraneous influence can can have a have a part. I'm sure that most of our Tennessee fans would say Peyton Manning deserved his Heisman too, much more than yeah. Charles Woodson. But um, but again, yeah. that's a separate discussion altogether. Let's talk about games since the Illinois Ohio State game was exciting. I remember that because. Uh, I was my last year in optometry at that time, and man, we had the best seats, like at the forty-five yard line. And I don't know what we did to deserve those, but it, it was—I still remember having great seats. Um, so, do you, of number of games that you've seen, got two or three that just stand out that were to you are memorable for one reason or another. Well, two of them stand out that were memorable when I was going there. The first one was when. Now, did they have Wisconsin, did they have face masks back then? Was it was it a live pig or was it a? Did they actually have a you know like a oval football at that time? You know, speaking of that, when we were high school seniors <laughs> in 1950, <Yeah. laughs> face masks were kind of taboo. Nobody wore a face mask. Was that, and any time somebody did wear a face mask, which would be pretty rare, they did it because they had a broken nose or something like that. But if you looked at the rosters of any of the good teams, nobody wore a face mask. Because you'd have a touch of the lavender if you wore a face mask, huh? Exactly right. Exactly <laughs> right. Now, one of the games that was a highlight for me was when I was a, when I was a sophomore and Hopalong Cassidy was a sophomore. Wisconsin was going to play Ohio State at the stadium, and Wisconsin had Alan Amicia, Alan Amici, mm-hmm. who ended up being an NFL Hall of Famer. He had a Harlan Carl, who was a great running back, kind of a slasher, a good quarterback, good wide receivers, and a normal uh, Wisconsin line. And that was supposed to be kind of the game in the center. Wisconsin was supposed to come in and just kill us. Mm-hmm. And they they threw the ball over the center, and Hoppy stepped in front of somebody, took it back for a touchdown, and from then on he became known not only as a runner, but a defensive back as well. And later on in life, nobody would throw to his side because he was such a good interceptor mm-hmm. and a good cover man. So that was one game. Another game was my senior year. Iowa had a great team. They had they had uh, Alex Karras on the line. They had another guy, can't remember his name right now, who was just as good as Alex Karras. And they had a, a good quarterback. And they were like number one in the nation. And we were neck and neck. We got the ball with about let's see, 63 yards to go, and we gave the ball to Bob White, who was our fullback, 16 out of 17 times. (laughs) (laughs) He took the ball, I think, may have been 6 out of 7, I'm not sure, but at any rate, he had the ball every single play and took it 63 yards to the game-winning touchdown. (laughs) It sounds like Woody Hayes football. It was Woody Hayes football. Three yards in a cloud of dust. When Woody Hayes came to Ohio State, same year I did, nobody cared for him because he changed football. No single-wing football was 
rock them, sock them, and running and throwing, and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Key formation football under Woody Hayes was, as you said, three yards in a cloud of dust. And so it's interesting because... Nobody liked it. It so didn't win very many games. Later in his career, he was labeled more of a stalwart and wouldn't want to pass the ball. Thought two out of three things could happen that were bad. And and, That's and right. yet, at the time that he started that offense, he was more of an innovator, huh? I mean, he changed things, and, and, and nobody liked it. Yeah, he had a great deformation running play that was almost like a single wing, and nobody could stop it. Hmm. And that's why Pete Johnson gained so many yards as a big fullback because they'd run a run a halfback to the left after the quarterback got the ball and you wouldn't know whether to cover the halfback or cover the fullback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it was the fullback. Similar to the way the service academies run that option play now, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. So, question for you. Um, remember any uh, team up north games that are memorable? I remember a lot of them. I remember one time uh, Mama and I were sitting at the stadium and it was <laughs> Michigan's ball with one second left. And I think the quarterback for Michigan was Navarre or something like that. Anyway... They still had one play left. They were on like the 49-yard line. And I said, you know, if he throws a pass into the end zone, we could lose this game. And he did throw a pass into the end zone. And fortunately, Ohio State defensive back intercepted it, but it was right to the Michigan player. You thought you were uh, predicting the future in a bad way there, right? Oh, my gosh. I, you know, it's one of those like, hey, we could lose this game, you know. There's a second left. You guys weren't there for a snowball game, were you? No, we were not. We were not going to school then there. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Mother was in high school and I was at a higher U. Okay, all right. Gotcha. Well, we're hoping that there will be a college football season this year so we can uh, make some more memories and have some more good Ohio State football games and and overall college football games. That would help bring us out of the corona doldrums, wouldn't it? Absolutely. I'd love that. (laughs) Well, we'll talk to you again sometime about college football and Ohio State football, and I appreciate you sharing a few memories with me and talking about things that I like, which is college football and just talking with my dad. And sports. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for calling. Thanks for allowing me to wax eloquently. And I hope things go good. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Go Bucks.